0: G'day guys, it's Hayden here, and you're listening to Spectrumite, the podcast for high-functioning adolescents and adults on the spectrum, and the families that support them. Spectrumite's mission is to turn all you awesome Spurgs out there, from snowflake to steel, from basement dwellers to base jumpers, and to unfuck your minds and make you mindful. All aboard the Mindfuck roundabout, autism and adolescence. Now, close your eyes and open your mind. Take a look through my eyes. You stand upon an oval. It's high school. You're wondering who'll be the first one to punch you today. He will try and force your head into a toilet bowl? You were smaller than your peers. You were uncoordinated and clumsy. You were resented for your lack of social skills, and treated poorly by your classmates. They call you psycho, spastic, and retard. Every day you dread pulling on the itchy blue shirt and jumper. The blue shirt, white socks, and black shoes. You don't consider the homework that you have due. Surviving who's going to shove you into a wall on the way to class is a more pressing concern. Getting through the next fight on the oval is your next concern. You've spoken to the vice-principal many times. It's the one safe place on school grounds besides the library. You hate yourself. You hate the bullies. You aren't sure who you want to kill. But you want someone to suffer. You are sick of being in pain. Sick of jeers, tears and everyday fears. You wonder how much more of this that you can take. You wish you were strong. You wish you could fight. You were obsessed with martial arts films. You got invited to a party. And you went there. You got beaten up and pissed on. There's nothing more for you to lose. There's a knife in your school bag. And you have a plan. It's a good thing you live in Australia and not the United States, or it might be an M16. You are 14 years old. You have a condition that you will later find out is a form of autism. Life will one day get better. You will learn to defend yourself. You will overcome much of your current social barriers. You will have a few failed relationships and make many mistakes, but you will eventually find lasting love. But you don't know that yet. There's a knife in your bag. But you never take it out and put your well-rehearsed plan into action. Instead, you speak to the school counselor and burst into tears. Things are bad at home. They are bad at school. You are different and want nothing more than to be a normal teenager that likes normal things. But in spite of your best efforts, the movie that you've seen half a million times never gets old. Dragons are still awesome cars and football, the stand-ins for religion in your little country town, are of no interest to you. The only thing you have in common with your fellow teenagers is a love of tits. You live in a haze of prescribed speed and catapress. Your hormones are raging, but the girls in school tease and despise you. You hate them too. You're savage and vindictive and spiteful. You trust no one because you have been lied to and hurt too many times. You cannot read faces, so judging what people tell you is difficult. You search for hidden meanings and non-existent traps. You are told that one day things will get better, that you're smart and that people will one day see your talent, that there is a whole life left for you to live. Little changes. A year later, your mother, Pulls you from school because a bully has jumped on your spine. Freed from the pressure of bullying, you finish a year's worth of schoolwork in eight weeks. You leave your hometown and move to the city to make a fresh start. Your mother is immediately diagnosed with cancer. You get your attendant spite of this, but you are emotionally stunted. You have a sense of needing the right teacher to work things out. And you need an Obi-Wan Kenobi, but none are forthcoming. You attend TAFE. You fail because you don't understand the change in social demographics and responsibilities. Eventually, you meet a mentor and learn the answer to the question you've sought for all your life. What's wrong with me? Why am I so different? You are 16 going on 12 emotionally and socially. Even though you're closer to 20 mentally, you relate best to those older or younger than yourself. Welcome to the hell of high-functioning autistic adolescence, the first big loop on the mindfuck roundabout. Adolescence in Autism and Social Skills As the social pressure to conform increases in adolescence, people on the spectrum become increasingly aware that they do not fit the mould. They'll fumble in making new friends, they may become ostracised from their existing groups, and former friends may no longer be interested in them. A neurotypical person's interests change, often radically and drastically, in the transition from child to adolescent. But spectrumites can often cling to their childhood hobbies and obsessive interests. I'm 30 years old. I still have a passion for dinosaurs, but the average teen isn't interested in the fact that bryonyx is a pescatarian. It might be cute to be the little professor at 10 years old, but you seem like an absolute smart ass doing it at 15. The Spectrumite's hobbies and interests may not be age or developmentally appropriate. The unholy quartet of Spyro, Minecraft, Pokemon, and My Little Pony are all too common themes amongst many of my clients. And it's not just these interests that create problems in social interaction with their peers. Social skills and the ability to read nonverbal cues which steadily increase in complexity over the course of adolescence, are also a huge factor. Once upon a time, you only had to worry about mad, sad, bad, and glad. Now you're wondering what a girl tugging on her hair means. You're being told you stare too much. And next you're being told that you won't look people in the eye. The development of social skills during adolescence is often extremely rapid. A neurotypical person can struggle to maintain the pace but the majority of the people on the spectrum, high intelligence or otherwise, have very little chance at keeping up. Kids on the spectrum may suffer from teasing and bullying, but it's the teen years that can often truly become a living hell. It is often at this point that the spectrumite begins to self-otherise, when they realise how different they are from their peers, mental health problems inevitably set in. Depression and anxiety are extremely common amongst the adolescent autistic population. And why wouldn't it be? They feel alone. They feel like they don't belong. They know they're different, but not how to fix it. It is a horrible spiral of self-doubt, this cycle of realizing how very different that you are, hiding your fears, your social skill inadequacies, your insecurities, and the observable symptoms of autism spectrum disorder. Stimming, masking, hiding who you are behind a false face. For those of you old enough to remember Third Rock from the Sun, life is like being one of the purple aliens. You're learning and observing humanity, but you're never truly feeling part of it. Part of the reason why I run peer mentoring groups is because it enables people on the spectrum to not feel alone and to understand that there are others out there just like them. We Spectrumites are a tribe. Get enough of us together in a room for long enough and a common culture develops. Memes, stories, a sense of kinship and belonging. Being on the mindfuck roundabout is not a good place to be, especially if you're walking it alone. Hormones suck. The onset of mental health conditions on the high-functioning end of the spectrum commonly occur during adolescence. Puberty is a pain in the ass for everybody. I'm not disputing that at all. But it's worse for people on the spectrum. Hormones are a huge factor. I was at an autism expo not some time ago and was volunteering my time. When talking to a potential client, he offered me his phone to add my details. I was forced to keep a straight face as I was greeted by an open internet browser and twenty open tabs of very hardcore pornography. It was an exercise in mental control and dexterity to close them all without the expression of shock showing on my face and like most expos, his mum was standing right next to him, and she had no idea. No idea of the extent of her son's psychological trauma, the bullying he was suffering at school, and certainly not the extent of his porn addiction. Here's a free tip for you young people out there. Clear your browsing history, close your tabs, and get a damned VPN. And parents, respect your adolescent child's right to have a door lock, with the stipulation that you get a key in the event of an emergency. As I guarantee you you will lose as much sleep over witnessing your child in a vigorous session of hand to gland combat as they will. While some teens on the spectrum are asexual, most are not. They will want to date and have romantic encounters. But their social awkwardness and resulting anxiety often results in failed attempts and ridicule in both friendships and romantic fumbles. It's especially important that your adolescent child understands consent. Navigating early fumbles into sexual experiences was hard enough for me, and I'm a child of the 90s. I shuddered to think what could all too easily become of young autistic men in this increasingly toxic culture towards the cisgendered male. I ran a class on consent and appropriate sexual behaviour for a reason. Ignore that at your peril. Teen mindfulness and mental health. Most of you know Yoda. Wise little green thing, was in two very good movies and I shudder to even think of them, three very bad ones. He said, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. The Buddhists have a similar concept, minus the really cool laser swords. This is a negative feedback loop, a downward spiral, And we Aspies have our own negative feedback loop. One of my clients referred to this by the interesting name and namesake of this podcast as the Mindfuck Roundabout. Most of us on the spectrum have a comorbidity rate of one mental health problem or another, about 70 to 75 percent, the two primary ones being depression and anxiety. I myself am a sufferer of both. The important thing to remember about the Mindfuck Roundabout is that you can fall into any emotion or state on it, and get stuck in an endless cycle. Overload leads to isolation, leads to self otherizing leads to depression, leads to anxiety, until you eventually engage in the next social interaction. Fail at the social interaction side of things, and you'll up your depression, anxiety, and self otherizing which will increase your isolation until you work up the nerve to try this whole people thing out again. Fail at maintaining your sensory management procedure and you'll overload and isolate during your recovery phase without your full ability to mask and socialise. Any attempts to engage socially with others are far more likely to end in failure, bringing us back to step one. The sensory social cycle and management of it is key absolutely key to not only successful sensory survival, but your social well-being as well. The two are interlinked. As I said previously, the mindfuck roundabout is not a good place to be. Aspies get stuck on it, and they can languish there for years, I should know. So many people on the spectrum yearn for social success. They want a job. They want a partner. They want friends that are something more than distant people on a PC screen. Speaking of phones and screens, Spectrumites, you're about to hate me. Parents, you're probably about to love me. Here is why phones, screens, the internet, and gaming consoles are all too often a proxy for real life social interaction for people on the autism spectrum. The people on the screen are safe. There is time to respond, time to plan what you will say next. Text has fewer nuances than spoken speech. It becomes the 10% of communication that is verbal, with none of the 90% of non-verbal communication. There's fewer things to be mindful of. The internet chat room is the custom-built social safe space for people on the spectrum. In my own mental health episodes, it's where I retreat to myself. It's the sleeping bag on a deathly cold night. It's minus 10 degrees. You're going to freeze to death in that bag. What you really need to do is get up and build a fire. But you'll believe yourself safe as you slowly freeze to death in your safe little cocoon. Screens and gaming consoles are that sleeping bag. So build a fire, get out there, and practice real-life social interaction. And I know you're thinking, but Hayden, Tinder is a thing now. It might be, but eventually you've got to meet the girl. And if you're ever going to get past hello, you need the social skills. And they are only acquired through training and practice. Spectrumites and Swords, building resilience in your team. I'm not in the business of safe spaces. I'm all for quiet sensory areas and a quiet hour at the local shopping centre. Those are reasonable adjustments, like a ramp for mobility-impaired people. But I'm not for a safe room of fluffy clouds and safe ideas. Adolescence is fundamentally a time of transformation, transition and change. It is the casting off of the chains of the child and the slow, awkward fumble towards adulthood. Sometimes we need to hear ideas that we find uncomfortable, Sometimes we need to be told to suck it up and just keep running. Building a strong, resilient teenager is akin to forging a sword. If a lump of iron could feel, it would want to be anything else but a sword. You take raw iron, you add carbon, you heat it until it's non-magnetic, until it's no longer defined by its primary property. And then you beat the absolute shit out of it. You plunge it into water or oil, taking it from a state of heat to a sudden state of cold. It's brittle, like glass. Many teens that have been cotton-wooled and kept from risk live in this brittle state, especially if mummy still makes them dinner at 16, while they're self-importantly absorbed in a game of Fortnite. I've been that 16-year-old. It's not good for the Spectrumite, And it's hell for the underappreciated, walked-on parent. If there are walked-on, overstressed parents listening, don't worry. You're practically a stereotype. And I have a course to get your entitled Spectrumite back in line and to help you find your spine. It's called Meeting My Mum. And there's a group for that. Seriously, guys, hit us up. We've got bills to pay. A freshly quenched sword, like a fearful, isolated Spectrumite, is very brittle. It's been taken from one state of extreme stress and plunged into another. Sudden changes in the spectrumized behavior can be the result of hormones, trauma, or mental illness, but it's important to recognize when this occurs. Quenched swords, like fearful, unresilient teens, stay brittle until you temper them. Tempering involves exposing a sword that's been quenched to heat. That normalizes the steel. The crystal structure of the metal literally changes. Done right, the blade will flex and keep a sharp edge. Done wrong, and the blade will shatter or not hold an edge at all. Now, tempering teenagers is a lot more complex than tempering a sword, but getting them flexible and sharp of mind still takes some heat that they will not like. A quote I gave to my pilot peer mentoring group was this. An unpushed muscle never grows stronger. An unpushed mind never expands. And a limit that is never tested is a limit made absolute. Only once a team is both flexible and hard can you even think about grinding it to a sharp, honed edge. Tempering an ASPE involves gradual exposure, Capacity building, you start off slow. Honing is individually focused. Skill building, testing yourself out against the world by realizing that you are worthy of it. Spectromites, you can stay a hunk of raw iron, fearing the heat of the fire and the blows of the hammer. Or you can dive into that forge and try and emerge a sword. Forges burn and hammers hurt. So one day, if you're sharp enough, you can cut through a shadow. Parents, sometimes you are the forge. Sometimes you are the hammer. Sometimes you're the even steady heat of the tempering oven. Eventually, you're the grindstone. But you're a greater smith than the viking master Ulfbert. You're not just forging a sword. You're forging your kid, even if they're a little different from the rest. We don't get to choose the lump of iron we're handed. Or the kid we birth and raise. But we choose what we help make them into. So be a parent of steel. Be harder than your kid. And forge something beautiful. Snowflake to steel. Basement dweller to base jumper. And mind fucked to mindful as fuck. Thanks for listening in to this episode of Spectrum Eye. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast app and that way you can find out when a new episode has been released. Also, if you'd like to get in touch, you can reach me on Facebook on at HP, or if you need to get in touch with me via email, you can reach me at spectromite 25 at gmail.com. Have a great one, guys. Aiden signing off.